Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite World Talk radio shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept, and one we will explore today on the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe, and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. I want to wish you a Happy New Year. This is the first show of 2012. Uh, 2011 was quite a remarkable and wonderful year. I think that 2012 is going to prove to be even more so in spite of some of the predictions people are making. We don't pay attention to those. We just finished the big holiday season. I don't have to tell you that. Uh, you know, started with Halloween, continued through Thanksgiving, went on through Christmas and New Year's. And as Dickens says, it was the worst of times and the best of times. Um, it was certainly an advertising time, and we're going to talk about some of that today. Christmas decorations were put out with the jack-o'-lanterns, and in fact, I think they beat the jack-o'-lanterns this year. Halloween costumes were added to Santa Claus suits. It was a little incongruous. Um, Shopping reached the fevered pitch on the day after Thanksgiving, which we fondly refer to as Black Friday. And it continued. Prices were supposedly slashed all, all over the place. Uh, sales were the norm. Everybody seemed to, everything seemed to be off 25 to 50%, 75%. You wondered what the markup was in the first place, if they could do that. Um, the news kept telling us that sales were up, sales were down. I never figured out whether they were up or down, but it was a big news item. Uh, the stores were terribly quiet for a season that was supposed to be booming uh, in, in some of the, the malls in town. Uh, but the message all through that season from Halloween on was buy, buy, buy. We owe it to the economy and on and on and on and on. And we're still in after Christmas sales, and most of us are really tired of it. I'm tired of the advertising that pushes and prods us to spend more money uh, in in their behalf. Um, I really just I don't want to hear about it anymore. And that brings us right up to today's talk topic, which is is marketing making us ill? And I want to get right into it. We have a remarkable guest today who has written. To me, one of the most exciting books that's come out in a very long time. She's authored a book called The Seven Graces of Marketing, 
how to heal humanity and the planet by changing the way we sell. Seems like a far stretch, but um, you got to read this book, and you'll know exactly why I'm saying this. Um, Lynn Serafin, our guest today, is a certified award-winning coach and teacher, marketer, social media expert, radio host, speaker, and best-selling author. This book's going to catch on like wildfire, so you might as well get in on the beginning of it. Her eclectic approach to marketing incorporates her vast professional experience in the music industry and the educational sector, along with more than two decades of study and practice of the spirituality of India. In her work as a promotional manager, she has produced a long list of best-selling mind-body-spirit authors, such as Alison Maslin, who actually helped us, we call it blast off, this radio show. She was my first guest on the self-improvement show and, and is remarkable in her own right. Passionate about reestablishing our concern with the earth, Lynn supports the work of the Transition Town Network in her hometown of Bedford, England. She also knows a lot about the United States because she's lived here a great part of her life. It is such a pleasure and an honor for me to welcome Lynn Serafin to the, the Self-Improvement Show. Lynn, welcome. Oh, thank you, Irene. And it was, it's a very warm welcome and it made even more warm for me because I know that you're one of the few radio hosts who actually took the time to read the book before the interview and... Um, and I know that everything that you say today is genuine because they're your opinions and not hype. So well, I will be honest with you. Yeah. I intended to skim it. <laughs> I mean, it's a long book. and I thought, It's a big book. Yeah. I can't read all this. I don't have time to do it. And after about the first half of the first chapter, I could not put it down. I didn't want to miss anything um, you know, some of it was so funny. It just struck my funny bone, and I thought, there's got to be more like that in here. I mean, your description, for instance, of the emails that just keep coming and the websites that just, you know, pound you to buy, I, I love that. Um, we'll talk more about that. I, I don't want to take away from what you have to say. Oh, but That's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm lapping it all up. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it was it was just superb, and the chapter on the seven graces. It's um, a big section, yeah. It, it you know, it was wonderful to me. It made my, as I said in the review, it made my soul sing. Uh, it, it really touched me, moved me. It felt so true. So let's start out by asking you this. Okay. Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you're up to, what, what your passions are, just a little sketch. Oh gosh, those are a lot of different questions and I could answer <laughs> each, I can answer each one of them completely differently. Who I am is, uh, let me put that aside <laughs> because the answer, the answer to who I am is, is, is probably something quite a bit different from the other questions. Um, well, yeah, I came from the United States originally, and probably during the course of this interview, you'll hear my accent float in and out. Um, bef I, I've lived in Britain for the last, uh, going on 13 years. Uh, I'm, originally I'm originally from New York. I was born in Brooklyn. Um, uh, I, I haven't lived there since the 70s. I've, I've lived in Boston. I've lived in Texas. I've lived in India. And, and I lived in Phoenix, where you are. I lived there for 14 years, raised my daughter there. She... Um, uh, we came here when she was 16. She's now uh, 28. I'm a grandmother. Uh, I have a grandson. 
and a five, five and a half year old grandson. I, um, I came oh, from the music industry. I came from the music industry. As you said, I was an opera singer and a violinist, classical violinist. Then I got into world music, which is what brought me to India. Uh, and then I got interested in the spirituality of India. And for about 20 years, I did the whole kind of east-west thing and got also into electronic music, ran my own record label for a while um, uh, and, and a small recording studio. Um, learned a lot about self-promotion then. I learned how to do it wrong. <laughs> you know, I basically. think we all did. Yes. We, there was no other way. You know, yeah, we d- yeah. did the Madison Avenue thing as, as best we yeah. could. Well, and also, I was really still in the artist mentality. I had two things. I talk a lot about this in the book, Irene, as you remember. I, I talk about the, the starving artist mentality or the poverty of spirit mentality. There's the other extreme to marketing and business, which there's the one extreme that's very heavy-handed and, you know, just thinking about money and profits. But there's the other extreme where, and a lot of my clients fall into this, and I have to kind of elevate them out of that where we we eschew any kind of money or or profits um and and marketing we really hate marketing and the 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 kind of the two questions in the book one is is marketing making a sale that's the overarching question in the book the other question is why do nice people seem to hate marketing so much and and the two questions are linked but the, the hating marketing thing really came from my experience with artists for decades. You know, I taught music, I played music, I was a musician, and then later I was a coach, uh, and I coached creatives as well as people in holistic professions, people who were sensitive, people who had, you know, strong values, powerful intuition, but they 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 were not, they didn't have this worldly savviness, they didn't, they or savageness, <laughs> I guess. Yes. They, they were more sensitive and they they felt insecure around business and marketing, as did I years ago. I did, um, especially around, you know, the bigger the business, the more insecure I felt. And there's this gulf between these two kinds of people. And you have to, at some point, at least I did, have to say, what happened? What's really going on underneath this gulf of seeming difference? I mean, we're all human beings. Why do some people seem so... Uh, able to just just uh, exploit or, or or just be aggressive, you know, and just it's warfare, marketing warfare. I talk about that in the book. The whole concept, even the right. idea, of, even the idea of a marketing campaign—that's a war term. You know, we use this word without thinking about it, but it comes from warfare. You know. Oh, so, I did a course on guerrilla marketing. Exactly, same yeah. thing. Same yeah. thing. Guerrilla marketing, marketing campaign, crush the competition. You know, corner the markets, invade the you know new territory. I mean, it's such an aggressive thing so no wonder it's going to put off people who are creatives people who are sensitive people who are spiritual and but the problem is that they want to create good businesses and they can't because they they say i hate marketing i hate marketing so the original intention behind the book when i started thinking about writing it which was two years ago um it, it was december of oh uh nine so just a little over two years ago that i got the idea to write it it was to write something to because people kept telling me that my marketing was different, that I had a different way of doing it. So I thought, well, what can I, can I put it in a bottle somehow? Can I, can yeah. I encapsulate what I'm doing? Can I, can I bring a new kind of marketing to these sensitive people that is more palatable? But when I started writing the book, what actually happened was that 
I realized that it was a much, much, much bigger issue. It wasn't just about making marketing palatable for those who hated marketing. It was about really looking at, oh, my God, look at the history of marketing. Look at why, when modern when modern marketing came about look at, at what the things were ha- what things were happening in history why did it take the form that it did what impact did it have on society how did it impact our, our economy our spending how did it impact our health how did it impact our, our ecological environment our natural environment how did it impact our stress levels our debt I mean it just gets deeper and deeper and the more I started investigating it the more the more stuff I found. It wasn't just some woo-woo, whooshy, let's make everybody feel good book anymore. This was a book of hard substance that really, really, I, I mean, as you, as you could see, you said it's a big book. It's over 400 pages long. 30 of those pages are just references. I researched yes. and researched and researched this book. I was astonished at what I learned. It was such a gift to get the idea to write this book because I, I learned have, so much. You have that exactly right. It was a gift. If it was a gift to you, it was certainly a gift to us. Lynn, we're going to go to break now, sure. but when we come back, I really want to get into this wonderful, masterful book. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Lynn Serafin saying, we'll be right back, so stay tuned for more. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at World Talk Radio. Are you looking to improve your personal or professional branding? What about your business? We've got a program that will help streamline your image management. Tune in to Marketing Matters, hosted by Yasmeen Anderson-Smith. Your business and public image is important to your customers' perceptions. And in this day and age, how you market yourself or your company can make the difference between running a successful business and shutting it down. Marketing Matters can be heard every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on World Talk Radio Variety. World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Lynn Serafin, and we're talking about her book, The Seven Graces of Marketing. Lynn, how did you come up with the seven graces? Because that's not a common concept in the marketing field. 
Uh, no, and and it actually like like all good things, Irene. I think like that's what what I believe anyway. I didn't come up with it. It it came to me. It came to you. Yes. Yeah. And and the way that happened actually was, I told you I got the idea to write the book, and it was kind of a a small nice idea. Uh, and I was writing it. I was I had written an outline, and I had written maybe ten, fifteen thousand words, and. Lots and lots of outline, tons, pages and pages and pages of outline, and it really wasn't landing. The the I, I like models. I like things that I can sink my teeth into and hold on to. I like paradigms, and I was about six months into writing the book. I was asked to do a talk on spiritual marketing. I didn't know what else to call it. Um, in in here in here in England at a festival, a big macrobiotic festival called One World Festival here, and it was actually about an hour before I was supposed to go and give this talk, and I and I knew what I wanted to convey, but I didn't know how. If you, if you catch my drift, I, said, I do. How, I totally how, do. How am I going to make this? How am I going to make this clear? What is the model? What is the hook? What is it? And I literally um, sat down at a desk, shut the door. Everybody was out doing whatever they were doing. Um, sat down, piece of paper, pen in my hand, shut my eyes, and just said, "What is it?" <laughs> That's all. I, I just said, well, I, "I did." I asked the universe. I said, "What is it?" And it and it came in a flash. It came just that fast. After months and months of not figuring it out, the moment I said, "What is it?" I don't know what it is. What is it? Um, and allowed the the answer to come. I saw the number seven. Immediately, I saw seven deadly sins, and I said, well, then it's got to be the other, and the word graces came to me. It, it just came, seven graces, and then all of them came. All of them came in a row, and um, the only thing changed one word, one of the graces is invitation, and I, uh, and I, um, I had put... Um, Interruption versus permission, and I had kind of borrowed that from yeah. Seth Godin. I had, and, and but I realized that that wasn't it. That was that was Seth Godin's model, and that wasn't it. So uh, inv- uh, interruption became invasion because it was really much more than just interruption. It was way beyond. I mean, that book that Seth Godin wrote was quite some time ago. So it was much beyond just interruption. It was invasion, invasive marketing. And then it wasn't just permission. It wasn't just putting our name on an email list. That's not what it was. It's about invitation. It was really about learning the art of invitation, about becoming gracious again, about reestablishing connection again. That was the only thing that I changed on the original list. Oh, that's uh, interesting. I, it, it came in a, in, a, in a flash, in a second. So you got the graces first. Uh, no, and both. Then, they both came. They came. And the sins, came, the sins no, they, came. No, they both came at it's like this, Irene. I'm very kind of things hit me in a flash. It's gotcha. like when I wrote when I wrote my first book, the story that started that first book came. It was you know it was a nine thousand word story. It came to me in a second. The whole story. All I had to do then was sit and write it down. It was so downloaded. Was same, huh? Yeah, this is the same thing. It was like a super fast firewire download that that I saw the whole thing and I had to write it faster than I could even take it in. I already. It wasn't that one thing happened or in an order. It wasn't time-based. It just, it just was there. It was, I saw it. And so I had to write it down. And, and that's how it happened. And that's how I believe all really good ideas happen. They happen when you leave yourself empty. In, in fact, in my first book, The Garden of the Soul, I talk about receiving, the art of receiving. You can't receive if you're full. <laughs> if you're that's full, right. You can't. You have, to leave, 
You have to be empty like a pitcher, like pouring water inside a vessel. You have to leave yourself empty and say, okay, I'm empty. You can, pour, you can fill me up now. And, and that takes trust. It means that you're not sitting using, trying to use brain to figure something out. I mean, our brains are good at analyzing and, and, and putting things in order. However, I believe that the initial inspiration always has to come from be, leaving yourself empty and letting, letting it come in. Oh, I totally agree. It's interesting that you came to this. So I, I guess my next question would be, what aspects in your own personal background contribute to your being able to receive this? Oh, wow. What a question. Um, <laughs> And well, I know I can, you studied in India, so you had... Yeah, yeah, there is that, and I'm not sure that that's what contributed, because, um, to be honest, my, my study in India, a lot of that was, there were so many social aspects of it that, uh, and I was involved for 22 years, so, you know, this isn't like just some fly-by-night thing, I was really, really involved, but there were so many social aspects of it that weren't extremely, for me, they, they weren't uh, very conducive to my being very open. Uh, and I, I'm not saying that I didn't receive a great many things from it. I did, but it, I didn't really break free into being able to receive uh, anything. I think until I uh, I left it and went on a, a really a several several years of self exploration. Um, my whole life changed at a certain point. That's really what the Garden of the Soul is about. Was mm-hmm. my it's it's my catharsis book. It's not it's not my big best selling book. It's a very beautiful book. It it's got a b- lot of beautiful poetry. Again, very I'm a storyteller, so a lot of very very beautiful stories. Um, but it's my catharsis book, and so if anybody wants to read a poetic ver- catharsis thing with a lot of stories uh, and humor, I think, and very very spiritual. That's what that book is about. It's about going from rigid forms of spirituality to actually unity, to a real state of, of uh, uh, unity consciousness, I think is what some people use that word. But, but a, a unity in the sense of seeing that there is no separation, that we are, yes, we have different personalities. Yes, we have these lovely, you know, um, idiosyncrasies. We all have this, but they're all like facets of the same diamond. Yes, we have all different colors and, sh- and shapes and and, and likes and dislikes and senses of humor. And that's the beauty of, of, of totality. That's the beauty of creation. But we're all part of the same essence. And really, the, the seven graces of marketing isn't very different. The seven graces of marketing is saying, you know what? Exploitation comes when we are disconnected, which is the first deadly sin. Right. E- exploitation cannot come when we feel connection. Because when we feel connection, how can you exploit that which you feel a part of? When you genuinely, not just theoretically, when you genuinely know and feel and, and, and really embrace the fact that you are connected, you cannot exploit other beings, you cannot ex- exploit the planet, you cannot cause environmental disaster, you cannot uh, cause an imbalance in the economy, you cannot create things that create health hazards for people. None of those things can you do because you won't do it. And don't you think that answers your question about why we can't do marketing the old way because it's against our nature yes and i think i think really it's against everybody's nature and we had no other vehicle that's right and i think it's actually against even the nature of people who are doing it the old way they are still human beings how 
many times, I mean, when I coached, I co- I've coached people in very high corporate places. Some of them are the most isolated and, and suffering of any people that I've met because they feel that they have to live by those paradigms. They don't. They're humans. And, and we can't marginalize corporates. That, that doesn't solve the problem. No. The problem has to come when all people come back to being human and we realize that we are one humanity, which is why I called my publishing company one, Humanity One Press. We are one humanity. All of this has to be done with humanity in mind, and that includes the planet. Well, we have to get reconnected. Yes, and that's the first of the graces. That's connection. the first. Okay, we're here. Why don't you go into the next one? Okay, this, uh, how much time do we have before you uh, break? Well, we have, uh, we have a few minutes. We have two okay. or three minutes. Okay, Okay. so I may not do all seven right away. I'll name oh, no, them. We can, get, we can do the next one, though. Okay, we well, may we not can make two. There's okay. so many questions. There's okay. so many things. Well, let me, but, let me name I'd like them. them to hear. And then after I name them, then we'll okay. just talk about what we have time for, okay? Cool. So the seven graces versus their deadly sins in order. The first one we said, first grace is connection versus disconnection. So I'll say the grace and then the sin. Connection versus disconnection. The second grace is inspiration versus persuasion, which is kind of you what you were talking about in the beginning of the show. The third is uh, invitation, which I mentioned a little versus invasion. The fourth is directness versus distraction. The fifth grace is transparency versus deception. The sixth grace is abundance versus scarcity, which is probably the biggest chapter in the book. Uh, scarcity chapter is massive because it's just part of marketing Yes, everywhere. Uh, and the last of the seven graces is collaboration as opposed to competition. So depending on where we are, I can, I can go to the second grace if you want. Or well, let's go back in the book a little bit because before sure. you get to the seven sins and the seven graces, yes. you talk about seven relationships. That's so how right. do they fit into this? We'll get the whole picture and then we'll go back and take a look take some mini glimpses. Fabulous. Yeah, there's, I call them the seven key relationships because all of these relationships play into each of these sins and graces depending on what our relationship is with those things. Uh, it will determine how we do business, how we do marketing, how we, how we act as consumers as well. So it's not just about being a business owner. It's how, how we shop, how we buy, how, we, how yeah. we manage our money, all of these things. So the seven key relationships are, first and foremost, our relationship with self. Um, that's, it's probably the most influential of, of any of them. The second is our relationship with source, which I'm not sure it's any less influential than relationship with self because if we have a disconnected, for instance, disconnected relationship with source, we'll exploit it, um, you know, we will, and we'll abuse it. And if we abuse it, that will create ramifications for everybody, including ourselves. The third, um, oh gosh, I have to remember if I do them in order, our relationship with, with others in general. Uh, so self-source others, relationship with our business, our businesses, uh, our relationship with our audience, which is not the same as others because it's how we actually treat people who we perceive as customers. Uh, our relationship with money, 
which a lot of people have written books and do talks on our relationship with money, but it's really important, and, and uh, especially in the people with that poverty of spirit mentality that I'm talking about, that's a really important thing for them to understand our relationship. Anytime that money is mixed up with our self-identity, it's going to be a dysfunctional relationship. Anytime. And it almost always is, isn't it? It almost I mean, always is. And money is a creative tool. We invented money. It is our creative tool. And it, and it is there to make things... It's a convenience that we've created to make things... To exchange things of value. But it's also something that we can use to make things grow. And, you know, it, it's it's really not very emotionally imbued. And <laughs> it it's not be. the same thing as abundance. No, no, not at all, not at all, not the same thing, and not the same mentality. Money is simply a convenience that we've created to exchange things. Now, the last of the relationships is our relationship with marketing. A lot of people don't realize that they have a relationship with marketing. And in the book, I talk about the three, uh, the four kinds of relationships we can have with marketing. Three of them are dysfunctional. One of them is not. Um, the three dysfunctional relationships are passive, aggressive, and resistant. None of those work in our interpersonal relationships. None of those relationships with marketing work either. You know, so even if we try to resist marketing, avoiding being the channel surfer, you know, heck, you are still putting intention into it by avoiding it. Um, the only functional relationship with marketing is a co-creative, uh, interdependent kind of relationship with it, where we are actually actively working with marketing to to communicate. We're using it again, like money, as a means to communicate that we've got something of value. The actual definition that I give of marketing in the book is the, the way of communicating that we have something of value to share. Marketing has nothing to do with selling. Marketing is, is the business of selling ideas as much as things in, in modern marketing, including politics. Uh, the nightly news, you were talking about all the things that were saying the sales are up, the sales are down. That's marketing. That's if marketing. The, if the sales are up, they're telling you, go out and buy. The, the things are going to run out. If the sales are down, they're saying, go get insurance and, and, you know, and, and get, uh, you know, get this lower credit rating credit card because you're going to be in a lot of trouble. It's marketing. It's, it's all marketing. marketing. And it's there to create an, a, a reaction, an emotional reaction in you. The purpose of the book, if it, uh, amongst many other things, but one of the biggest reasons why this book had to be written is I want people to know how marketing is impacting them. And therefore, then once they become aware how it's impacting them, as consumers, imagine how much they could change the face of business as consumers simply Absolutely. by no longer and being sucked into, into what they're hearing. With that thought, Lynn, we need to go to break. Yep. I want to, to ask you, please stay tuned. We're going to talk more about this when we come back. This is Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show saying, stay tuned. Find out what's happening on the World Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword World Talk Radio. World Talk Radio presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. 
mind, brain, and body on Voice America Health and Wellness is delighted to finally have the opportunity to fulfill the requests of our many guests and listeners to extend the mind, brain, and body experience to a second hour. Tune in for The Lyceum, Critiques of Ancient and Modern Understanding with Dr. Michael Kell. The purpose of this show is to explore and expand upon mankind's continual efforts to explain why we exist. Join us each week as we continue our fireside chats with some of the most remarkable thinkers living today. The Lyceum airs Fridays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on World Talk Radio Variety. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Lynn Serafin, and we're talking about marketing and a new way to approach marketing that can really help heal the planet and us as well, right along with it. Uh, we've been talking about the seven deadly sins, the seven graces, the seven relationships, um, and I'm going to tell you, you need to get the book to get more in-depth than this because you can just cover so much in a radio show. Mm. Lynn, in the book you say that we've been victims of our own efficiency. Oh, what do you mean by that and what well, do we need to change? I love that question. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we are victims of our own efficiency means that... Um, well, this this really goes back to the part of the book where I talk about the history of marketing. How did marketing begin? Well, that was wonderful. Uh, talk about that and share yeah. some of the war stories, well, horror story. Well, well, it's well. Well, the thing is, the two go together. We're victims of our own efficiency in that we, it, it, the whole capitalistic model, as I say in the book, was a great idea before technology, because the idea of growth and profits and whatever. Could, could only create so much havoc on the earth until technology came in because what happened with technology was that we suddenly, and it never existed in, in human existence for tens of thousands of years before or however long human beings existed on the earth, we never were able to create more than we could consume before or at least not much more. But technology made it so that, you know, what might have taken X amount of time to make one product, you, we suddenly could create this, you know, uh, you know a, a thousand of them or 10,000 of them or a million of them in the same time. Now, what happens when we do that, a couple of things happen, and this is where we become victims of our own efficiency. It's brilliant that we're lo incredible human beings, that we can create this technology. How brilliant are we? However, what happens is when we create more than we can consume, two things happen. Uh, number one, well, three, many things happen, but the two environmental things that happen is that we extract things, we extract resources from the earth faster than they can be replenished. That's the one thing. That's, you know, like saying strip mining or cutting down right. trees or, or, or farm, you know, 
farming and you know, making the lands not fertile, all of these kinds of things. Uh, you know, there's so many things that I cite in the book. So we, we rape the world of resources more quickly than, the res- than they can be replenished. We don't even know what oil is. You know how much research I did in the book? Try to figure out what is oil. Is it just, you know, flattened plants from the Paleolithic whatever era? You know what? Nobody actually knows. Nobody actually well, you- knows if it's if it's still being created, nobody knows what oil is from, but we're no. using it at an alarming rate. And, and nobody you know, knows. My yes. thought is always, and even from a child, if we take all of this out of the earth, then what happens to that space? Space, exactly. Yeah. And that's what I said in it. We have no, nobody, hardly any, a few people out there are saying, okay, we're, you know, we burst the bubble on the oil coming out and it's so much force coming out. It's like shaking up a champagne bottle. Well, yeah, what's in that gap? Why are we having huh. earthquakes? Why are we having things like that? I, and then people say, oh, well, human beings, you think that you can create, the earth is so much bigger. We can't possibly have an impact. That's nonsense. Of course we're having an impact on it. But, well, the, but, we are. but the thing is, the, the, that's one thing, is the using resources more quickly and more invasively then the earth can replenish them. That's one thing that happens when we're over-efficient. The other thing is we, we waste things. We co- not waste, but, uh, well, waste and we do waste. Create, create, create waste. We dispose of things more quickly than the earth can consume it back. So we, we extract the, say, petroleum products. We turn them into plastics. They're non-biodegradable. We put them in landfills. They don't biodegrade. They don't break down for God knows how long. And so we're using them at a rate faster than the earth can consume. So it's simply rhythm. When we, when we create more than we can use in situ, we, we, we're ruining the balance of the earth. Now, what it also creates is that I, the example that I give in the book, I give loads of examples, but one of the examples I give is the cigarette industry. Prior oh, this to is the a good two, one. Yeah. Well, prior, prior to, oh, I talk a lot about the, the cigarette industry, poor, poor guys. Uh, the, 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 at the turn of the 20th century, people did not have tobacco addictions. They just didn't. People smoked tobacco. It's been around since the dawn of whatever. I mean, it's, it was, but it was used contextually in a totally different way. It wasn't used casually. They didn't carry, you didn't carry packs of uniformly made doses of nicotine in your back pocket or in your handbag. It just didn't exist. Um, people had to roll the tobacco. It was used as a dessert or as a treat or as a ceremonial thing or, or whatever. It wasn't used as a habit. It wasn't a habit. There was no such thing as tobacco addiction, at least not in any kind of widespread thing. There, wasn't, there weren't even any really documented cases of lung cancer in the medical journals. Can you imagine that that was in the year 1900? So only about 110 years ago that that was the situation. Around that time, around the turn of the 20th century, cigarettes started being mass-produced. At, at an alarming rate, suddenly they realized, wow, we can make loads and loads of cigarettes. Yeah. However, people had no need for them because they didn't have the habit. So, really, cigarette smoking uh, today is totally the result of marketing. Absolutely. Totally the result. And, and in the book, I give a couple of examples. Uh, I see we're running to the time where we have to take another break. I don't know if I want to give the example, but maybe I'll just allude well, to it. Well, start on it. You know, okay, start. start. There, was, there was a big campaign. This is one example. In 1929, uh, it, it, see, this is the thing. They, the American Tobacco Company said, gee, we got all these cigarettes. We need people to smoke them. So they started marketing to men, first of all, 
And sure enough, 30 years later, you start to see lung cancer appearing in men around 1930. However, women weren't smoking cigarettes at that time. And uh, because it was considered unladylike, you know, and women in general didn't smoke, at least not in public. And so they wanted to change the thinking. So they actually hired a fellow named Edward Barnes, who was Sigmund Freud's nephew, who was actually a big PR person, who was one of the biggest spin doctors of World War I, who came in and designed a marketing campaign called the Torches of Freedom campaign, totally phallic, aimed at women to get them, this is during like the whole suffragettes era and whatever, telling them, you need to be equal to men. Smoking cigarettes make you, makes you equal to men. Who are they to tell you not to smoke cigarettes? Yeah, you can get so, lung cancer just like the men. But that wasn't, nobody knew about that. Nobody See, knew about it, that. It, it, was, it wasn't happening yet. So he staged all these debutantes, you know, kind of affluent girls, and staged them on Easter Sunday, 1929, and brought in all the press. It was totally, totally staged, and had them all light up their luckies or whatever it was at a certain moment, snapshots everywhere, instantly going out to the United Press, all over the place, everywhere, gets this picture called Tortures of Freedom, women taking a stance, whatever, bang, instantly an entire generation of women who never would have smoked cigarettes are suddenly smoking cigarettes. That's 1929. What do you see? So 1930-ish. 1960, you know, the, the uh, Surgeon General's report on diseases, whatever, suddenly links now cancer and cigarette use and you start to see women dying of lung cancer. In the 70s, this was replica pretty much replicated with the Virginia Slims campaign. Those of us who are old enough to remember, the, it's, it, you've come a long way, baby, in the oh, yeah. 1970. I do. And I remember going out with a friend trying cigarettes. I didn't like it. She did. She smoked for another 30 years. And fortunately, she stopped before she got ill. What happens around the year 2000, which is 30 years after that campaign? you see that now lung cancer has become the number one killer of women in the United States, more than breast cancer. You hear a lot of stuff about breast cancer, but it's not. And, and this, is, this is undeniable proof. That Followed closely by heart disease, which heart is disease. also stimulated by smoke. Absolutely. Now, my mom had emphysema. She could barely walk down the, the street. She was six years old during the Torches of Freedom campaign. She started smoking at 17. Was she influenced by that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mar marketing changes social behavior. Marketing changes spending patterns. Marketing changes our perception of what we need. Marketing changes the rate at which we consume things. Scarcity, which we, we may not have time to talk about, makes us want to buy more quickly than, than we actually need it. Um, all kinds of things are used. Obsolescence, planned and perceived obsolescence. It's destroying every aspect of our society. It's destroying our health. It's destroying our economy. It's destroying our environmental balance. It's, it's destroying our well-being overall. And the thing is, we don't have to continue with it. Now, the question is, yes, we need marketing because businesses need to communicate that they have things of value. We don't need to do it that way. And it isn't just about marketing. It's also about conscious business. It can't, you can't have one without the other. So this book is a call to business owners to come back to this place of humanity and say, I'm actually very powerful. I have a real responsibility here. I cannot, I, I cannot abuse my responsibility. And it's also a call to consumers to insist that they're being treated with respect and with uh, that, that 
that focus on humanity. So I and know I love this idea about the consumer, and we'll talk very briefly about it when we come back from break. This is Irene okay. Conlon with my guest, Lynn Serafin, saying please stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. We're making it easier to listen to the World Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hi, this is Rochelle and Jeff from Travel Hub Radio with another Travel Hub tip. You're late for your flight and there is a long line at the security checkpoint. What can you do as a traveler to improve time and efficiency and make your flight quickly? One idea is to take everything out of your pockets, such as sunglasses, cell phones, PDAs, pagers, and other metal and electronic objects. Put them in an easily accessible pocket on your carry-on luggage. If security asks you to display or operate these items, they're right there. Plus, you won't hold up the line when you have to do the walk. A metal belt buckle or a wristwatch is usually not a problem, but be aware of them and ready to remove them quickly if needed. Wear comfortable shoes that can be quickly slipped off and on if you are asked to remove them. Most of all, if the security personnel give you specific directions or ask you a question, don't argue. Just comply and cooperate. It's not personal. They're just doing their job. For traveling tips and much more, make sure you tune into Travel Hub Radio or listen to the show archives and podcast right here on World Talk Radio and at TravelHubRadio.com. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. You are tuned in to the Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Lynn Serafin. We've been talking about her book, The Seven Graces of Marketing. Lynn, please, please, please tell us where we can get this book and what you have going on with it. Well, you know, it's it's on Amazon, uh, and they can get it in paperback or Kindle in any, any of the Amazons. But if they want to get a couple of freebies uh, by buying the book... I'm going to send them to a different site because I have some free gifts up there that really should have been taken off before Christmas, but we all kind of went on Christmas break early, and they're still up there, so why not get them? <laughs> you know, and, yes. Um, and so if they go to the7gracesofmarketing.com, and that's with the number seven, the numeral seven, not the word seven, the7gracesofmarketing.com, when you get to that page, free gifts when you buy the book uh, I can't remember exactly what it says but it's pretty evident free gifts when you buy the book click on the link and uh, that will take you to a page where you can actually buy the book from Amazon from that site it has the links right there and then you can also come back to that page and uh, claim a whole bunch of bonus gifts there's about 50 of them I have wow. um, I have some from I have one from Joe Vitale from uh, The Secret I have Allison uh, as you mentioned Allison is on there um, Greg Reed who uh, is a 
from three feet from gold. Uh, uh, loads and loads and loads of people. I can't even think of them all. There are 50 people, and they're all people I've, um, I have really close contacts with in, in the whole marketing, you know, my online network. And the, the other thing that they will receive is 10 hours of audio from the Seven Graces of Marketing Telesummit that I did in early December of uh, just this past December. And there were 24 speakers on there uh, and talking. There are seven sessions. And as you can imagine, uh, each, each session is one of the graces versus one of the deadly sins. So we talk about connection on one and then inspiration and invitation, etc., etc. And there are three guests on each one, plus I have a co-host. So there's loads of people. There's 24 people. And we are getting really deep into the subject. I have had so much good feedback from that telesummit. A couple of thousand people have, have listened to that. Go over, you can get the audio from that, the download to that, even though it already took place. If you buy the book, you get all of the MP3s as my gift. Um, it, after the 9th of January, other people's gifts won't be there anymore, but I will still keep the audio from the Summit up there. So you will get a gift from me, regardless of, of when you get the book. Please come in and uh, come get it. <laughs> it's in. a priceless it's, gift. It's a, it's a priceless gift. Now, Lynn, if somebody wants to work with you, work with you uh, to help market their book or, you know, work with you and you have so many things you do, yeah, how would yeah. they contact you? What's the best way to reach the you? Best, the best way is spiritauthors.com. And then on that, on that site, spiritauthors, as in people who write books, spiritauthors.com, there's a link that says contact. Uh, click the contact link, fill in a form, tell me a little bit about yourself. I work with authors to do their book launches. I only take uh, so many a year. I only have an opening for like two more clients this year. So I need at least six months uh, advance notice. Um, and I'm not doing any summer launches this year because I have a big event that I'm doing in London. So uh, the next launch I can take is like in September. So if somebody's thinking, even thinking of launching a book around that time, they should contact me now because that's so. Is that primarily book. what you do now? Is help people that's, launch that's their prim so That's primarily what I do now. But I'm in the process of developing um, uh, the Seven Graces Global Community. Uh, and I'm doing some global conferences. One is in, in London in June. I'm already organizing. That's going to be fantastic. Maybe you can come over, Irene. Oh. It's, it, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be the end of June before the Olympics, thank God. It's uh, going to be a wonderful event uh, with, with speakers and, and seminars and all kinds of things for the purpose of just raising our, our awareness and going away and saying, how am I going to bring this into my life? How am I going to bring these graces into my business, into my life, to my community? How am I going to bring them there? So I'm building that. I'm really focusing on that. And I'm also building a new, um, a new press release service and community, uh, a Humanity One service that I hope to have out before the end of 2012. So that's, and that's really for the purpose of making a connection point for people of like minds instead of the same old, same old stuff that everybody is experiencing. Oh, I, I'm going to ask you to do this. Put me on your mailing list and send me your announcements, and I'll put them on the self-improvement blog. Oh, fantastic. I sure, the self-improvement sure blog is getting up to 80,000 visitors a month at this point, and, and wow. so you get good exposure. That's um, really and great. hopefully it'll grow more. You know? Fantastic. Who, who, who knows? It's such a fun thing to do. That, that crazy blog started as just a kind of hobby and is just gone crazy. Yeah, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to, after we get off, I'm going to suggest a couple of WordPress plugins you should put on there that will make it more viral even. Okay. So, yeah. Because <laughs> <Cool. laughs> that's what I help people do. I help them with the social media as well. 
and I'd be happy to talk to you about that. So, And you know what? We're right up to that question. What's the thought you really want to leave with the listeners? Well, what I really want to leave, and I say this every time I'm asked the question, I want people to realize that the seven graces are not some contrived thing. No. They're, act- they're actually your natural state. Uh, you know, uh, and you don't have to think about how do I get there? How do I be that? How do I do that? You're already those things. Your connection is your natural state. Inspiration is your natural state. Invitation is your natural state. Directness, transparency, abundance, and collaboration are all your natural states of being and doing. When you, when you read the book, you'll see what I mean by that. But it, we are those things. We, just by sheer fact that we're human living on the earth, breathing the same air, uh, made of the same elements. We are all these things. They're our natural state of being. It's just a matter of remembrance. That's all that we need to do. And I wish your listeners um, you know, deep remembrance of that and, and faith and trust that that is the case. And, and they will us. have that. You know, I found myself getting so excited to see these concepts in print. It's like, oh, I've always known this, but I didn't know how to verbalize it. And you did it so extremely well. Lynn, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. We're going to have to do this again because we have so many things we didn't get to today. Uh, Anytime, Uh, Irene. Just call me anytime. Okay, next week's guest is Cheney Weiner. We're going to be talking about how you discover and develop your own genius. Lynn, thank you so much. My pleasure, Irene. Thank you. This is Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show saying, come back next week and let's talk about your genius and what you can do with it. Thank you. We'll talk again next week. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.